even though they might be throwing away the old business model, the network and the resources are all there and you can leverage a lot of those into the new direction. You just said it right now for all of our listeners, use your current network. There's somebody in there that yep. can help you make that pivot. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business and make it stop running you so you can enjoy your work and your life. It's time to go from being a business manager to a business leader so you can stop managing the daily grind and start leading the long-term growth of your organization. This podcast isn't just focused on getting more done and growing your organization. We always focus on leading a team, your team, with confidence. We release a new episode every week answering your pressing questions about running a business or organization and highlight one next step for you and include an activation guide so you can immediately take action and start applying what you learn. I'm Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay, a virtual staffing company based in Atlanta, Georgia. And hey guys, I'm Lisa Zeveld, also known as LZ. I'm the COO of Belay, and we have the privilege of helping thousands of organizations like you save time, decrease hassles, and reduce the stress associated with running a business with administrative support. We're excited you're with us today. In this episode, we'll be talking about how and when to pivot your business. And we'll be joined by Brian Riley, the co-founder and CEO of Guardian Bikes, which is a Mark Cuban company. He will share how he made shifts in his organization to create more value for consumers and more cash for the business. Value and cash, my two favorite words. <laughs> and we all know the buzzword for 2020 is pivot. It. So I can't wait to talk with Brian and hear how he has been able to navigate change and 10x his business. Before we hear today's listener question, we want to let you know that One Next Step is brought to you by Belay Virtual Assistance. As a busy leader, there is a lot of things on your plate, whether it's managing email, staying on top of project updates, or creating important documents. There are so many details required to run a successful organization but those details come at a heavy cost, your time. Here's a litmus test to determine whether you need more time. Do you feel like you can't take a vacation? Are you missing vital information critical for growing your business? How many business opportunities do you miss because of your chaos? Stress, chaos, and frustration don't have to be the norm anymore. You shouldn't have to do everything, and now you don't have to. At Belay, we connect you with an experienced virtual assistant to help you get the most valuable asset in business. You ready for this? More time to focus on what matters most. All right, a virtual assistant, I'm going to give it to you right now. A virtual assistant can help you gather industry data and research, manage your inbox, no more thousand emails sitting there, booking your travel, coordinating projects, managing your schedule, and last but not least, organize content. Whether you're a church, nonprofit, or business, we have the right people to help you. Talk to our team today and stop spending countless hours every week on tasks that someone else can do for you. For more information, visit belaysolutions.com. Now, let's get started with today's listener question. Hi, Trisha and Lisa. My name is Jeff. Uh, I own a commercial kitchen in Virginia where 
Chefs and caterers will rent my facility to cook and prep their food for big events. Um, but with COVID-19, of course, bookings have gone way down. So I'm actually thinking about converting my place into a takeout-only restaurant, which would just change my market from businesses to consumers, right? So um, I'm trying to decide whether to shift now or wait it out, hoping you could help me. How and when should I change my business model? Okay, thanks so much. Wow, that's a solid question, Jeff. You're facing a big decision, and we're here to help. To answer your question, we've asked Brian Riley, co-founder and CEO of Guardian Bikes, to join us. Brian is also a Shark Tank entrepreneur. His episode aired in April 2017, and they accepted an offer of $500,000 for 15% equity from Mark Cuban in Shorestop, their bicycle braking technology. That's pretty cool, right? As you'll hear today, that's not the end of the story because there were still many pivots to be made along the way. We're confident that their lesson can help you do the same. Now, enjoy our interview with Brian Riley. Welcome to the One Next Step podcast, Brian. We are so excited you are here with us today. Thank you for giving us your time. Of course. I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. You have a fascinating story and you've been on an interesting journey, one that very few people have ever had in their lives. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story with Guardian Bikes and Shark Tank? Yeah, of course. It's been a crazy journey. I, I'm the CEO and founder of Guardian Bikes. And, you know, the origin story of Guardian Bikes, it didn't start as a bike company. It actually started with the creation of a new type of braking system called SureStop. And so when I was growing up, I had a, a family member that was in a really serious bike accident where he panicked and grabbed the wrong brake and went flying over the front of his mm -hmm. handlebars, which is a pretty common accident. And um, and he actually broke several vertebrae in his neck, and it was like a really you know pretty serious um, mm -hmm. thing. So when I was in college, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I was I was always wondering why nobody had created some kind of anti-lock braking system for bikes, or at least something that would prevent that accident from happening, since it's so common. And so I started working on different prototypes. I met my co-founder in college, who's a really talented engineer and, and had a CNC machine. And we started making all these prototypes for this new type of braking system. And we created it, worked great, filed some patents on it, and right out of college launched this business, which at the time, our focus was selling this braking system to existing bike companies in the industry. And then after a few years of doing that, we ended up evolving and pivoting the business into what it is now, which is we sell our own bikes, Guardian bikes, and those mm -hmm. all feature this amazing brake system called SureStop, which makes biking a lot safer. So our niche is sort of selling, you know, safer bikes. We're focused on kids' bikes right now because, you know, safety is such a critical thing for kids. Uh, but we sell those bikes direct to your door, all through our website, guardianbikes.com. And so that's what I do today. And part of that journey was going on Shark Tank and, and landing a deal with Mark Cuban as well. That is so cool. That I mean, just what a, I don't know, a dream come true. I think probably the majority of our listeners are out there uh, who watch Shark Tank. So not only to be able to be on the, the show, but then to get such a great deal and work with such a great entrepreneur and leader as Mark Cuban. So very cool. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's really cool, it, especially Mark. He's, he's always been somebody I looked up to, you know, way before Shark Tank. So sometimes I have to pinch myself that that all came together. 
Well, I have a question. So you said that you guys really thought your heart was to create a braking system and to really help protect people from another horrible accident. But somewhere along the way, you said it, pivot. You had to pivot and kind the of... The word I know, of the year. Totally the if word there is year. a word for everything. Yes. Um, so everybody's kind of resonating with that word right now. But when did you guys really understand the power and the potential behind pivoting in your business? Yeah, you know, pivoting, I'm, I'm really glad that we're covering this topic because... If you look in a lot of great companies, somewhere along the line of their story was a pivot, but a lot of times yeah. it doesn't get talked about. And so for us, you know, our pivot came really out of, I think, both necessity and frustration. And so mm-hmm. the, the necessity was that we had created this braking system. And in order to have a successful business selling this braking system, we were only making a, a few bucks of profit every single bike that we got it on. So okay. we really had to get on you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of bikes to make that business make sense. Mm -hmm. And so in the bike industry, there's, at least in the US, there's a few companies that control most of the mass market bikes that, you know, they make millions and millions of bikes. So you really have to kind of break through on those companies, get on a a bunch of their bikes in order to, to scale that business. So we had had some success. We were having some customers, but you know, it was 10,000 bikes here, 20,000 bikes there. We never were breaking through to getting on millions of bikes. They would only make a decision once a year to refresh their product line. So yeah. it was like the years were starting to pass by and we weren't getting where we wanted to go with that braking system. So eventually, and this is the necessity part, we knew out of necessity, somehow we, we've got to be able to control our own destiny and not be dependent on these other people to, to get this sure. system out there. And so we ended up just out of necessity creating our own bike line and putting our braking system on that mm-hmm. so that we had a bike line to sell. Yeah. But the other component of it, when I say frustration, we were also learning a lot of things that were things that we didn't think were right about the bike industry. So mm-hmm. one example is that something like 90% of all kids' bikes are sold through either Walmart or Target. Mm-hmm. That's where most of the kids' bikes are sold. And in that environment, kids' bikes are really, really cheap. They're heavy in a lot of ways, they're unsafe for more reasons than just the braking. So we we had created this great braking system where we're addressing a safety problem in braking, but we started to see all these other safety problems that we could address through creating our own bikes. And then also the way that these bikes are sold, the bike industry really hadn't addressed kind of the transition to the digital age and e-commerce. So we, we started to understand that, you know what, I think we could sell these online and create this amazing experience online. So all those things kind of came together, but you know, looking back, that all makes sense. At the time, I can tell you it was largely out of necessity. We just had to, we had to figure out a way to change the business and and control our own destiny and make sure that we could survive and thrive. I mean, we wanted to create a a thriving business and and that wasn't happening in the first few years with with just the braking system. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like change or die. <laughs> I mean, I know it exactly. sounds dramatic in business, but um uh, the owner of Belay, Brian Miles, who we've had the privilege to work for for many years, would always, you know, say to us, you know, and resonate, even though it sounds so dramatic, you know, your your business is either, you know, it's changing or it's dying. Um you yeah, have to yeah. move, constantly evolve mm-hmm. and look for the opportunities and with which we can grow. And it looks like the necessity really forced you to look for opportunity. You probably never thought you would actually make your own bikes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think, and I think in you know, in, in a lot of pivot stories, uh, when you hear a founder tell a story, sometimes it'll be like, oh, you know, we saw this much bigger opportunity, and so we went after it and stuff. I think the reality is that a lot of pivot stories are built out of necessity, and like you said, I mean, 
in a lot of cases, when businesses do fail, it was because of a failure to to recognize that there was a need to to mm-hmm. evolve and pivot. So, um, yeah. so I think most of the time it is it is out of a necessity. It definitely was for us. Well, and I think it's kudos to you too because this is was your first business. And I know a lot of um, entrepreneurs who start their first business, you said you had a couple of years where things weren't really profitable and you weren't seeing what you had dreamed of really coming to fruition. I could see a lot of people, if they weren't as passionate and have that personal connection like you did to the product, they could have walked away from it and said, well, well, great idea. Guess it's not going to go anywhere. Instead of pivoting, they would have just thought it was a failed idea and moved on to the Mm -hmm. next thing. So I think that also talks a lot, um, speaks to resiliency and speaks to passion and also solving a problem. You know, we've had a lot of guest speakers on here that says, don't just create a product, right? You have to create, yep. mm-hmm. um, you have to solve a problem. And so you really had that passion, that drive to solve the problem, which enabled you probably to make that pivot much easier than if it wasn't something you were passionate about long-term. Yeah, absolutely. You know, pivots are really, really hard. A lot of times, and, and in our case too, we had existing customers, we had uh, some investors that had already invested in the company around this initial direction. We had some employees that were all working for the company around this initial direction. So when you've got to make a pivot, it's a real challenge of, you know, leadership, communication, mm-hmm. being able to, you know, tell that story, why it's necessary and, and guide the company into this new direction. And unless you really are in it and you're, you know, you're really all in and you, in my case, I, I was going to do whatever I could possibly do to to keep the company alive, to keep the um, you know, the braking system out there in the market. Cause I knew if it didn't make it out in the market in some kind of bigger way, it'd, it'd eventually die off. And then you'd have this amazing mm-hmm. system that would have prevented this, this accident that, that, uh, you know, I had experienced in my family. It, mm-hmm. it probably would have died off and been no more. Mm-hmm. So that personal connection makes a huge difference to, to the problem that you're solving. Yeah. Right. Knowing your why and you have, you had a really good purpose to keep driving you to persevere and mm-hmm. find the right solution. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. So we like to say that we are the most practical <laughs> business podcast in the world. So tactically speaking, if you could give a tactical recommendation to a business owner right now, somebody who's leading an organization, is there anything tactically you would recommend they do if they're considering pivoting or not pivoting or around just the art of pivoting? If, you were, if there was like a to-do you could give somebody today. Yeah, sure. So like I said, I mean, pivots are hard. You're going into the unknown. And if I could tell, you know, a story or give a piece of advice from, from my experience, one thing that we did that gave us a little bit more confidence of going in this direction of the pivot is we had this, this hypothesis that, you know, you could charge significantly more for a bike that had this technology and system on it. We had been selling it to other companies that, and we had been telling them the same thing, but they weren't charging much more for the system. And in fact, they weren't really even marketing the safety for all kinds of different liability reasons. They didn't want to make their other bikes look dangerous. So they weren't talking about <laughs> safety with the ones that had it. But sure. regardless, we had this hypothesis that you could charge significantly more. And if that was true, then that would make our bike company make sense because we we would obviously you know be marketing the safety and talking all about it. So what we did as a test was we went into some local bike shops, kind of made friends with the owners and convince them to let us set up like half of their bikes on the floor with sure stop and leave some of them without them and charge 50 to $75 more 
for the bikes with SureStop. Mm-hmm. And all we said is we said, look, just explain what, what the system does. If somebody buys it for $75 more, you keep the 75 bucks. We just want to come back every week or two and figure out if people are buying these or if they're going for these. Sure. So every time we'd go back, the bikes that had SureStop would be out the door and all the bikes that didn't have them weren't. Wow. And the bike shop was, you know, they were making 75 bucks on each new one. Yeah. And so that, that little test kind of, you know, gave us another data point, gave us a little bit more confidence and also gave us an example to tell the story mm-hmm. to, you know, our investors and different stakeholders that were part of the company that like, Hey, there, there's a real opportunity for us to capture the value of this technology through our own bikes much better than what's being done right now. Mm-hmm. And so my advice would be any kind of, you know, small practical test mm-hmm. that you could put together. That was an example of, it was extremely low cost like for us. Like a case study to show the value. Yeah. Some, because that, in our case, that was a very low cost thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, we didn't have to create our bikes yet. We didn't have to go through all the, you know, design and manufacturing of them, but it gave us this data point that gave us the conviction and confidence that this really was the right direction to go. And that just helped us, you know, carry through the, the, the difficulty of, of actually changing the business and, and going through everything that you need to go through. So any kind of small kind of practical test that you can do like that both gives you the confidence and mm. can develop a story around, around, you know, leading the business through a major pivot. Yeah. So market research, basically. Yeah. If you can actually yeah. go into the market, I mean, some people do surveys and stuff like that, but if there's some way that you can test with the real market, mm-hmm. whatever your main you know, thesis on this pivot is, that's a really practical way to get a great data point. So there must come a point when you just must decide if you're going to persevere with this idea or pivot with it. Um, I know that you have a great partner and it sounds like you've had some uh, phenomenal investors who were speaking in your into your business. But is there a point where you really decide that, that you're not going to persevere, that you're going to pivot? Or how do you know how to decipher those key elements that are coming to you or those, or those key clues per se? Yeah. So I think it's, you know, looking back, it always seems obvious in hindsight. Like when I look back now, it's it was obvious that this pivot was, you know, totally the right thing to do. And but at the time, you don't know that for sure, and you really can't. You can't know for sure. All you can do is try to give yourself some data points, maybe through some practical tests, like I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then it's a lot of just gut and instinct, and knowing that, you know, in our, in our case, we just we had this gut feeling that SureStop just wasn't being received in the magnitude and the way that we wanted it to. And there was, like I mentioned, there was all kinds of weird problems that we didn't anticipate getting the system into the market through other companies. Mm -hmm. And so we had that gut feeling and we gave ourselves some tests and enough data points. And then we sort of went for the pivot, started in that direction. And then even then we started making bikes, but we were actually still selling SureStop to other people. And only after we started really picking up sales for the bikes, we finally just said, Let's just go all in on on Guardian bikes. In fact, if you if you were to go back and watch our Shark Tank episode at that time, we were still kind of doing both businesses. So mm-hmm. it is possible to sort of start a new direction, but keep the old business alive. But at some point, you know, it's going to be really clear, and you got to make that decision to to actually pick one because you really can't focus on two different business models. But mm-hmm. all that is to say that it's not totally necessary to completely shut the old business down. 
to go to the new business. Sometimes it is. In our case, we were doing both for probably a year, year and a half before we actually, you know, went all in on on the Guardian direction. Yeah. Well, and even when you say all in, you know, it just reminds me that, you know, as leaders and business owners, we really have to be, you know, not afraid to take risks and, and right. chances. Mm-hmm. You know, you you took a lot of risk and big chances by making those shifts and pivots in your business. You took a big risk going probably on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. you know, going all in and doubling down on what you believe is a great, you know, business. Speaking of that pivot, I would assume that you already knew a lot about bikes. I mean, you're making a product for a bike, but did you have yeah. to leverage other experts in the field to go from making a component that was added to a bike to bike manufacturing? Is that did you seek out those people who were experts in that field as well? Yeah, and and in our case, we were lucky in the sense that who we were selling to when when we had, you know, the business was just sure stop we would go into these bike companies and we had to make these relationships with, they call them product mm-hmm. managers in, in the bike industry. But these product managers are essentially the people that, you know, design the different bikes from the ground up and they choose what components they're putting on the bike. So mm-hmm. when we were trying to get another company to use our component, we'd be making the relationship with product managers and we'd be talking to product managers. Well, when we decided to, you know, start in this direction of the pivot, we luckily had met a lot of really great product managers from all these companies. And so there was one in particular that was already a big believer in our SureStop system and had become one of our customers and specced it on some some product. And when we started making bikes, we just hit him up and was asking him if he, if he wanted to be a consultant and kind of help us um, figure out some things. And then as the business has grown, at this point now we've hired a couple of the same product managers that we used to sell awesome. SureStop to, and they've, yeah. they've become key parts of the business and helping develop products. So yeah, your network is key. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with great people. And I think in our case, even though that it was a major pivot, because it's a whole different business, you know, now we're selling to consumers and we're making mm-hmm. a whole bike and all that kind of stuff. But right. oftentimes pivots are something, you know, it's still the same, maybe the same industry and a lot of the same network, but it may be a totally different business model. But I think that's sometimes surprising to people is how useful, even though they might be throwing away the old business mm-hmm. model, the network and the experience and the resources yeah. are all there and you can leverage a lot of those into, into the new direction. And I would assume that's probably some of that barrier, right? Thinking I need a new network. When you just said it right now for all of our listeners, mm-hmm. use your current network. There's somebody in there that can help you make that pivot. Yep. You may not even know. Yep. Definitely. This has been so fascinating. So if you wouldn't mind, we have a couple of bonus questions. (laughs) We have a couple of little extras we'd love to ask you if you don't mind sticking around for a couple more minutes, Brian. (laughs) Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, Thank you for sharing on the art of the pivot. Thank you for sharing your story with Guardian Bikes. I love that you've been able to take um, an idea and an incident from your family and turn it into a very successful business. Mm -hmm. It's such a great story to share. I'm excited to have you on the, the podcast and our listeners to listen to this. So bonus question time. I mean, we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about what it's like to work with Mark Cuban. <laughs> so sure. um, as an investor, well, it's twofold. Number one, um, just having an investor in your business, you know, somebody uh, who has an expectation of the success mm-hmm. and the decisions you make. And also, I mean, Mark's a, he's a famous investor. I mean, there'll be many of us who never have the opportunity to work with him. Yeah. So I'd, I'd kind of love to know what it's been like working with him. Yeah. 
it's been amazing. Mark is an extremely smart and extremely accessible guy. And I think he, he, he just absolutely loves helping entrepreneurs and, you know, specifically trying to help entrepreneurs achieve the American dream is what he likes to say. So the way that we work together, you know, his biggest productivity hack is he likes to keep most of his business over email. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. he likes to have pretty frequent updates from his whole portfolio company, but he basically just asks for a short narrative of kind of what's going on week to week. Mm -hmm. I don't typically send him every single week. It's normally like every couple of weeks, I'll, you know, give him a little narrative of what's going on. And a lot of cases, sometimes they're different things. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes there's an ask in there. Sometimes we need an introduction. Um, Sometimes we need his advice on something, but he responds to every single email within, usually within a couple hours. I don't know how he does it, but um, I think for him, what he loves is getting these updates from, you know, a bunch of different companies that he's invested in. And that gives him really great pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. So he kind of sees mm-hmm. what's going on across a lot of different companies and a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. And he has this pattern recognition on different problems that, you know, occur at different stages. So he's extremely, extremely useful when I need him to weigh in on, mm-hmm. hey, you know, do you think we should do this or do this? His answers are always great and concise. And so he's just, he's just amazing. I mean, he's it's, it's everything that I could have expected getting an investor like that. Mm-hmm. That's great. He always seems so happy, so joyful. That's one of the things I like about Mark. You know, even social, I I check him out on social and he just seems to be a pretty happy guy, you know? I mean, he's on TikTok. I don't know if you know, but Mark is on TikTok and I've seen a couple with him and his daughters. It's hilarious. Yes, yes. I just love it. And I would think that that everybody wants an investor. Everybody just wants to be led or have a leader or someone to speak in their business that's joyful and happy. And that ultimately wants you to be successful. And I like that you said that he likes helping young businesses um, really grow. So that's awesome. Is there any particular metric that when you started working with him that he was really keen into? I mean, I, I mean, obviously revenue, but is there anything else that he was like, hey, focus in on this that might be relevant to our listeners out there, something that may, maybe they haven't thought of? He's never asked us for specific metrics to give him week okay. to week or every couple of weeks or whatever. Of course, I give him a lot of metrics. I give him revenue. I give him, you know, profitability. I give him mm-hmm. some of our, of our key KPIs. We had already created guarding bikes when Mark came on as investor, but we were still doing SureStop. Mm-hmm. And Mark was able to sort of give the nudge and say like, let's just go for guarding bikes and not focus so much on the SureStop thing. Mm-hmm. And those nudges come from, you know, giving him this kind of narrative of what's going on and not necessarily mm-hmm. like, here's all the metrics, here's all the metrics. But he likes to have that narrative in the context because mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially in, in, a, you know, in earlier stages, the metrics are important, but, but having the context of kind of what's going on in the market and what, what you're learning sure. mm-hmm. um, is really, really key. So that's the way that we work together is we, I kind of give him this narrative. If the metrics are relevant, of course, I'm going to put the metrics in there as well. But by him having oh. that context and be able to yeah. kind of digest the context he can sort of put his thinking cap on and think big picture and say, you know what, this direction or that direction is better. And it it becomes less about metrics and are you hitting these metrics, but is the company moving in the mm-hmm. right direction? Does it make sense? And and you know, what are we learning from the market? Yeah. Right. There's a larger story. The numbers tell a story, but not the whole story. There's exactly. there's more that yeah. goes into the story. Yeah. Yep. 
That, that's great. I think that's that's really good also for people to focus on. I think that there's two, um, I like to think there's two types of leaders, one who is off metric focused, right? Um, and they mm-hmm. forget about the story. And then you have some people who just don't want the metrics. They think they're a little scary. And then they focus too much on the story. And it's really a marriage of the both of those that makes a successful exactly. organization. So. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, we don't want you to tell any more secrets. I know that. Uh, <laughs> we want to. Wanna yeah, keep, we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have to keep some things <laughs> private. But Brian, this has been awesome. Um, I appreciate you coming and just helping our listeners understand when the right time to pivot is, when the right time to persevere, and how not really to be afraid of pivoting. Um, As we said in the beginning, 2020 has been the year of pivoting. And so um, for I think a lot of business owners, they can't think of pivoting one more time. But this may be the time with the state of the Mm. economy and perhaps what's happening in their business now. So I know that you've been a gift to our listeners. You've definitely been a gift for us today. So thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's It's been a real pleasure and I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today, Brian. Thank you. All right. Take care. Brian was such an awesome guest today, and I love the fact that he just jumped right in and started giving people tips on how to pivot or persevere. So, Tricia, what is your takeaway today? Yes, so fun. I want to be on the Shark Tank. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What a fun story. Anyway, um, I love how he, his story really is a story about taking risks Risk is huge as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, to go from selling brakes to building your own bikes, that's a big decision. There's a lot of risk involved. So Mm -hmm. I really like how he really just encouraged business owners and people to really not be afraid to take risks that it's actually, like we talked about, change or die. I mean, that's pretty dramatic, but um, expect that you're going to have to change. You are going to have to take Mm -hmm. risks that change is inevitable. If you're staying the same, Mm-hmm. you're not growing, you could be declining. So yeah. I, I really love, and I know we talk a lot about at Belay yeah. and as leaders that um, evolution and evolving is so important. And a lot of that is is being decisive and taking big risks. Yeah, so totally. that's what I love so much about his story. How about you? Yeah. yeah, I think my takeaway today, and I think this is so important for entrepreneurs to hear because I think so often this is where they stumble, is realizing that if you need to make a pivot, if you're in this part of your business right now, maybe you have had a brick and mortar business and 2020 has definitely slowed down foot traffic and, and you're trying to think of, do I go online? Do I have another product? Something, right? But you get afraid because you're like, how am I going to do that? And Brian just gave the key. He said, use your network. Use the network that you already have because there within your network are people who love what you are already doing people mm-hmm. who understand your product or your service and they're they're actually mm-hmm. vested right in your in, invested in your success yeah. and so i think that yeah. tapping into your current network and leaning into them and asking mm-hmm. them for help asking them for other connections so perhaps if somebody in your network doesn't have experience in that but somebody in your network knows somebody who has experience right. so 
I mean, right. Yes. It's like the five degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yes. I mean, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody right. that you need to know. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. So really leverage those connections. Those are people who are going to build you up when you don't think that you should do it, right? When you're having your down days, those mm-hmm. are people who are going to make connections for you. And ultimately, they are going to give you the feedback that you need in order to know if you're making the right pivot, right? You can pivot. And or multi- the nudge. Yeah. Right. Yes. The little nudge. Like he said, Mark was the one that really kind of nudged them to say, yes. just go all in on the bikes. So like sometimes right. you just need somebody behind the scenes giving you a little push. It's the outside perspective. Yeah. So sometimes mm-hmm. we're just too close mm-hmm. to the problem that we yeah. can't see it. And when you have somebody who's 30,000 yeah. feet up who can look into your business, it's so, so helpful. But I just, yeah, I just love yeah. that. And mm-hmm. and want our listeners to know, don't be afraid to pivot. As you said about your takeaway, mm-hmm. Tricia, we have done this a lot, right? Like you, in order to have a successful business, you mm-hmm. can't keep doing what you've always been doing. Um, you have to learn to pivot. It may not be a full pivot. Mm-hmm. It may not be a 360. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes just a quarter sw- pivot right. might be a ninety degree 90 sharp degree. turn. <laughs> yes, yes, and those yeah. things really help. So, yeah. all right, guys, it is time for the one next step. As the most practical business podcast, we want to make sure that taking action isn't overwhelming to you. So, each episode, we're going to offer you one next step to propel you and your business forward. Today's next step is to assess the part of your business or organization where you are most questioning its direction or momentum. So download this episode's activation guide, which is our self-assessment tool called Pivot, Pass, Pause, or Persevere. Featuring thought-provoking questions, it will help you recognize when it's time for your organization to stay the course, change the course, or find a completely new direction. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like an awesome tool. So to download it now, text the phrase one next step to 31996 or visit one next step podcast.com. That's one next step podcast.com. When you request today's guide, you're also going to receive a summary of today's episode, which will include key quotes and takeaways, links to resources mentioned in the episode, and questions to ask yourself or your team to further explore today's topic. We're also going to give you a link to a 10 to 15 minute playlist that you can play in the background while you focus on your one next step. So again, text the phrase one next step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com. And we're even going to give you the opportunity to submit your business questions so one of us or a future guest can answer them during an upcoming episode. Our challenge to you today is to download the guide and then give yourself that next 10 to 15 minutes to work on your next step. All right, guys. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will join us next time for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Until next time, own your journey. It's your life and your business. It's up to you to create the life and organization you want. So start by making today count. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.